0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Rethinking Rehab with Dr. Shane Smith, licensed physical therapist practicing out of Naples, Florida. I'm the owner of Naples Premier Physical Therapy and happily helping those in Naples get out of injury and back to a fun, happy life as soon as possible. Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different pace, uh, but it should be a fun one nonetheless. This podcast is called Spin Your Way to First Place. So one Kind of personal thing about me uh, during the pandemic my wife convinced me to get a peloton bike uh, she used to go to cycle bar classes and obviously with everything locked down the way that it was for a period of time she wanted an alternative way at home to exercise similar to what she liked to do in the classes so as thousands of other people did during that time period we bought a peloton I bought it and thinking it was mainly for her to work out with. I did not think I'd really have much interest spinning in place, but I found I really liked it more than she did, and uh, I ended up using it twice as much as she did. Um, So I've spent a good amount of times on the Peloton. Um, I have participated in spin classes prior to getting a Peloton, but the ease of being able to do a ride at home at the time I wanted to, for how long I wanted to, by myself, just made it very easy to continue doing. Um, over the course of two years of me spinning, I have had to modify various things on the bike. Uh, and as you could imagine, being an athletic background person like myself, I started to get very competitive on the Peloton as well. Um, So if you happen to be someone who likes to cycle, if you happen to have a Peloton at home yourself, or if you enjoy the more social cycle classes, uh, but still wanna be competitive, want to improve your outputs, want to improve your rankings in your class, uh, this is the right podcast for you to listen to. I wanna go over a couple basic things in this podcast, and I'll go into some details on them. Um, I want to kind of look at what are the best things you can start with to improve your output, your, your overall you know, amount of speed and or resistance combined that you can handle in a ride. I also want to improve how you physically feel while riding or thereafter the ride. So there's a couple things we're going to be talking about. So this might get a little lengthy, but I'm going to try to make it fun nonetheless. So you're going to do a spin class or you have been doing spin classes, but you don't know how to make your ride better or make it feel better. The first thing you're going to want to look at is your form. Uh, This is something I personally was not too happy with with Peloton. They give you a very basic crude description of how to fit the seat for you. Um, And from doing this for, I think I've now crossed over 300 rides. So I've done it quite a bit. Um, Your position on the bike is absolutely the most important thing if you want to progress with it. If you want to ride just to ride for 30 minutes or 40 minutes to get a sweat on your forehead and feel like you did something, then that's fine. Don't worry too much about your seat positions unless you are having knee or hip discomfort or something along those lines. Uh, But if you're like me and wanted to compete and get better and faster and have higher and higher outputs each time, then your form is going to be absolutely vital uh, and your fit on the bike are going to be vital to progressing and becoming a better cyclist. If you like to ride on the road, then this stuff is also very important as well because getting the right position fit on the bike is what really gets your output levels through the roof. So the first thing I'll start with is bike fit. Um, there are a couple of things you're gonna to wanna to look at with your bike fit. And I'm gonna talk just briefly here about a stationary cycle bike. Uh, a, a road bike will be similar. You're just gonna to have to hold it upright when you're doing it. But the first one you got to do is check how high does my seat go up. Now, with a Peloton and many other cycle class bikes, they are convenient with having numbers written down so that you can kind of see what number does my seat height go up to, what position forward and backwards does my seat go, and what position should I put my arm, my handlebar height to. Once you know these, you just memorize the numbers and you just set it quickly and you're good to go. It's the initial set that's the hard numbers to figure out. And I had to trial and error this a lot before I finally got to the right place. So just to give you an example, the the, the traditional description on seat height position is to stand with your feet flat next to your bike and measure it from your hip bone. Now, this is something that threw me off massively when I first did this. When I think about hip bone, I'm thinking about my actual hip bone going into the joint, where your trochanter is, where you can feel that kind of hard part on the side of your leg where your hip is. That's actually not the place you want to measure from. You actually want to measure higher up from where the kind of crest is on your hip, the top part, which is actually your pelvis. It's kind of where your iliac crest is what it's actually called, that you're kind of feeling from. Uh, This was such a huge... F up for me initially because I kept dealing with knee discomfort. I didn't know why my knee kept getting tight on me after spinning and it became to the point that I'm trying to push an output with an inefficient leg position because of how low my seat was. So when your seat is at the hip bone, i.e. the iliac crest, i.e. the top part before it goes into my gut region, that's the bone position you want to measure your seat from. When you sit on the bike with that seat position and your your foot is all the way down, which if you think about a clock from the side, we're going to call that six o'clock on the clock, your leg should almost be straight. There should be the tiniest, I'll say two to five degree Of bend still in your knee. You don't want to feel it lock out because that's going to cause issues to the front part of your knee. It should just be like almost straight but not quite. Another way you'll know this is if you stand up out of the saddle with your foot down in that six o'clock position, your butt should only be like an inch to two inches or maybe just almost right there on the seat. And that was another reason I knew my position was off because when I go to stand out of the saddle and do things that were up I was like, you could put a whole fist underneath where I was. I mean, I was way up in the air. So definitely make sure you get your seat high enough. Um, The second one is going to be your seat position forward and backwards. The general rule of thumb that the Peloton manual and a lot of other like spin bikes will give you is measuring your fist. So you make a fist. The front of your knuckles is where the handlebar is your elbow should be where the, top, the front of the bike is. So that's kind of a general way you can look at how far do I slide my f- seat forward or backwards. Uh, the, the better way to look at this one is gonna be sit on the bike, move your feet to like a three o'clock, nine o'clock kind of position. You can look at it whichever side of the clock you want to, to where your feet are actually like parallel, halfway up with the ground. And in that position, with your foot forward, is your toe in front or behind your knee? If if your toe is in front of your knee, you're good. If if your knee gets in front of your toe, you need to scoot your seat back a little bit. Um, so you can look at two of those options. You can either do the arm position like you know the generality one and see how that one feels or you can look at your feet when they're parallel with the ground kind of three and nine o'clock position and your front foot is your knee and toe in a good position or is that knee too too far over or directly in line with your toe then you might need to scoot your seat back a little bit. The last bike fit one that's important is your handlebar height. Um, general rule of thumb, I'll tell you with this one is your handlebars should be in line with your seat. So set your seat first, and then once your seat is set properly based on your, you know your your iliac crest or your hip height, um, then position your handlebars after that to be in line with that get a feel for how it feels to sit on it like that. If it's uncomfortable, um, you can alter that up or down with the handlebars. Um, If you wanna get more streamlined or more kind of cycling on the road, you may drop your handlebars slightly lower than your actual seat height. It's just gonna get your momentum forward a little bit more and allow you to kind of be pushing down towards the road better. Um, Do that kind of as you feel comfortable with, those bike fit uh options are really really important to look at um so if you kind of have everything finished your hip angle so the side angle of your hip should be about um 40 45 degrees or or so your uh knee angle should be 25 to 35 degrees uh at that angle so you can kind of think of another measurement of when i'm you know feet parallel one foot's three o'clock nine o'clock we'll say what are your knee and hip angles sitting at that point? They should be 45 for your hip, 35, 25-ish for the knee at that position. Uh, and that will fit you properly to the bike. I will say that's the number one problem I see most people deal with, is they're not fitted correctly on either their road bike or their spin bike. And over time, doing something with improper form, it's gonna result in tissue breakdown abnormally and cause problems. So, so fit yourself right. Um, Another one I'll say is look at your form. Um, So when we're pushing, pulling on a bike, because we do both of these, um, those out there that don't have clip-ins, it's going to be a little bit tougher pulling just because you don't have as much grip on the pedal. Uh, But if you want to maximize efficiency of your legs, you want to think about as the foot goes down, I'm pushing it through the floor. And as I'm pushing through the floor, I'm thinking about pulling up almost like ripping my foot off the pedal on the opposite foot. Because you're gonna be working hip flexors and other leg muscles when you're pushing and pulling for both sides and that combined will get you a lot, lot higher output than just thinking solely quads push, quads push, quads push. Think about the hamstring and some other muscles like your hip flexors pulling and working as well. Um, Also look at your knee tracking position. So a lot of times people that do too much movement in the wrong plane of motion will waste energy. Um, and when you're getting to 30, 45 minute spin rides, where you're trying to get personal records, you can't have inefficient movements. You gotta be as streamlined as possible. And the biggest thing I see is people getting wonky with their knees. So you wanna think about trains uh, when you're on the bike. My knees are moving up and down in a straight linear fashion, just like uh, a locomotive has on the outside of its wheels. Those things just keep churning and churning the same movement. You don't want wobbling your knees inside, outside. So as you're sitting the bike, looking down at your legs moving, you should not see your knee moving in and out. It should be just going straight up and down the whole time. That's going to limit using hip muscles differently and keeping all of your energy going through the pedal as efficiently as possible so make sure you got those legs in line another big one because this affects breathing and if we don't breathe right while we're spinning it's only a matter of about 10 to 12 minutes before you're going to be out of energy unless you can use uh, aerobic or or oxygen uh, utilizing metabolic systems properly so Sometimes just getting used to breathing, deep breathes in, deep breathes out, feeling your diaphragm expand. Our diaphragm is our biggest breathing muscle that a lot of people don't even know exists. Um, And it sits underneath uh, our lungs, uh, near kind of where your ribs attach into your your chest bone, your sternum. Um, But when you push down underneath your ribs, kind of right below the sternum and take a deep breath in, you should feel a muscle kind of start pushing against your hands. That's your diaphragm contracting to increase volumetric space in your lungs, so that you can take a bigger deep breath in. If you don't have enough oxygen coming into your lungs, you metabolically will hit a break point to where your body just can't function unless it has more oxygen. So breathing's a really important thing when you get some of this higher level, intense uh, cardio exercise, as well as how your trunk is positioned on the bike. Um, So hip is very important. Um, When you bend forward to get the pedal, or to, to put your hands on the handlebars, you should still be able to look somewhat upright, okay? So your eye gaze should not go into your lap. If you're riding hold on to the handlebar, or staring down at your feet, looking at your legs moving the whole time on the spin ride, you flex too much through your mid back. So you're gonna look kind of like a hump through your mid back, which people get like this when they start getting real tired. But what that does is it compresses how much your diaphragm can expand. So it minimizes how much oxygen you can get into your body. So making sure that you're bending forward at your hips, not at your mid back to allow for your diaphragm to expand properly, as well as thinking about my hips, my shoulders, and my ears are all in a straight line. So as I hip hinge forward, so I'm moving forward at the hip joint some, I shouldn't be moving in my low back, I shouldn't be moving in my mid back, and I damn sure shouldn't be just ro- you know shifting my head forward. That's gonna all cause issues with breathing and restricting airflow when you're working out hard. So think about a straight line between my hip joint, my shoulder joint, and through my ears. Those should all be in a straight line uh, while you're bent forward over the bike. So that kind of covers your form as well as your fit, which as I said before, those are gonna be probably the biggest output, uh, noticing factors with your riding. Um, those were the two biggest instrumental things for me going from you know, a certain output range to being able to hit records and surpass records weekly was getting my form and my movement right. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned is core activation. So we're talking about the push-pull through the feet, using your leg muscles as much as possible. We also have to have a stable core so that we're not moving our trunk two months side to side. And this happens if you've ever been really gassed at the end of a ride and the instructor says, now load on the resistance and climb. You virtually are shifting your body weight entirely from your left foot to your right foot, which helps with pushing the pedal down because you got more weight pushing it down, but it takes a lot of efficiency of movement out because now I'm expending energy just going left and right as opposed to keeping steady and just having my legs move forward. So you definitely want to make sure that you're not laterally shifting too much as well as having some tummy activation while you're spinning. You're actually going to get a higher output force through your legs because your core is engaged. So you won't lose a lot of energy force through your stomach if you keep it engaged. Now don't have your stomach so tight that you can't breathe. There's a happy medium in between these two of no core engagement. And I'm so tightened in my tummy that I can hardly breathe. Breathing is extremely important on a bike, so you can't limit that at all, but you want to have some stability to your low back uh, as well as the top of the pelvis because that's what's slightly moving is the hips through the pelvic joint. Now that we've gone through fit and form to prevent overuse injuries, I will say you're in the ride. And the thing you want to start thinking about is breaking your ride up in your head into segments. Um, the two rides that I do the most are 30 minute rides just because I only have so much time after work at night, um, as well as 45 minute rides. So instead of looking at a ride as 30 minutes, where am I at? Think about a ride of three 10 minute rides in conjunction with one another. So when you hit 10 minutes on that bike, what's your output after 10 minutes? Whatever that number number is, you should be able to double it when you hit 20. Whatever that number was for 10, you should be able to add that on for your last 10. This allows you to mentally keep track of what point in my ride am I losing it at. Some people are apprehensive to start hitting it hard out of the chute, and their worst split of this 10 minute time increment is going to be their first 10 of the 30. Some people get tired after the 10 minutes. I told you before that we start having a metabolic shift in our body from utilizing uh, non-oxygen sources of energy to oxygenated sources of energy. And that takes place a lot of times after 10 minutes. So as you're coming through your first 10 minute split of this 30 minute ride, that's a very good time that you could start to feel gassed. And a lot of times that's when people start getting off the pedal a little bit because they're so tired. What I would recommend doing is if that's happening to you um, is take a little bit off the first 10 minutes. You know, maybe let's let's use roundabout numbers. Let's say you want to get to an output of 300. So I want my kilojoule output. And we're talking kind of Peloton, but a lot of other bikes have these kind of kilojoule output measures. That's a combination of your speed, how fast your your cadence is moving on the bike, as well as how much Load how much resistance you have put on the bike as well, and they'll give you an output which is you know kilojoule amount of of energy that you've produced. If you're trying to get a 300 kilojoule output on a ride, you want to think about I need to do 100 after 10, 200 after 20, be at 300 hitting the 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 30 minute finish. Um, And if you're only in the 260 range and you realize you're getting to 100 for the first one but you're only in the 60, 70 range for the second. And then after slowing down for 10 minutes, that last one, you can get back to hundred. I'm telling you to drop that first 10 minutes to like an 80 output and seeing if you can then duplicate 80 for the second, because you want to keep consistent with each block of doing the same time. If anything, once you can keep it consistent, so let's once again, use our 300 output goal for a 30 minute ride. Once you can hit that and you want to go above that number, like maybe 250 is your number and, and you're hitting, you know, 80, 85 for each one of those segments and you want to get to 300, I would tell you to really look at pushing your uh, your final group because when you're most tired, that's the hardest time to do it. And if you can do it, like have a highest 10-minute block output as your final 10 out of the 30... Then you're easily going to then after doing that be able to add a little bit more onto the second and then once doing that and a later ride add a little bit more onto the first 10 minute block until you're more 90-95 output for each 10 minute interval so you have to kind of think a little bit about what am i doing incrementally on this ride where are my weakness is and how can i alter times that i don't struggle with to make my struggling portion of the ride much better I know personally for me, my hardest split of this 30 minutes is the first 10. I'm just not mentally really into it yet. Um, you can look at warm up rides. I would tell you, don't do more than a five minute warm up ride. I know a lot go to like 15 minute uh, time periods. Uh, you can do that, but you might gas yourself before you get into the ride you actually care about. Another option you could do, um, this is one I've done recently, is if you wanna get a certain number output for a 30 minute ride. Consider doing a 15-minute ride and see what you can do. Like push it in 15 and then try to get as close in a second 15-minute ride after like a cool-down period. Like go 15-minute ride and then chill for a couple minutes cooling down and then try to do another 15-minute ride. And can you get your output from the, the second ride the same as the first? That's another great way to increase overall output time is splitting your rides but making them harder on the splits so that when you go back to the 30, you're able to handle the longer endurance. Um, I would also recommend changing up the interval times that you ride for. Um, so there is a principle called the SAID principle, S-A-I-D, Specific Adaptations to impose Demands. Um, so if you just only do a certain distance or or excuse me a certain time ride i always go to the 30 minute classes or i always do a 40 minute class your body's going to get trained to doing it for that duration of time Um, if you make it shorter than what you normally do go balls out so you got to go a higher output for that time period than you would on the longer ride or conversely if you're going to do a longer ride understand that you're per 10 minute or per 15 minute split is gonna be less output, but can you keep it consistent over more duration cycles? So if I was looking at, let's say a 60 minute ride, I could look at six 10 minute intervals and over those six 10 minute intervals, what are my splits for each one? Are they staying about the same? That's gonna be an indicator to know what your endurance is doing with the rides. One other factor I'll talk about um, on the bike uh, is you can either go max cadence or max resistance, but try not to do both max when you're training. So for my Peloton, they'll a lot of times give you normative ranges. Like, okay, we're going to now get out of the saddle and your resistance is going to go from a 45 to a 55 range. So they're giving you a range of what you're supposed to try to keep it in. Top, the top Go to the, the max range for that. Even if you can't hold your, 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 your cadence, your, your pedaling speed the same, Go to the max resistance and just see how close you can keep the cadence to where they want you to keep it at. Because by maxing your resistance out for the whole ride is going to load your legs heavier than you're used to, which is going to re- result in more muscle bulk. Because, you know, with spinning, there's coordination, there's endurance, but there's also general bulk strength that's needed too. And unless you're hitting higher resistances, you're not going to be challenging your muscle tissue each ride to get stronger and you got to have increased strength to be able to ride uh at a higher output level also consider doing things that aren't spin related so you know your quads your hamstrings your glutes uh are your biggest muscles in your legs that are involved with spinning so you could look at doing different exercises outside the bike that are going to help strengthen those muscle groups up that will result in better outcome measures on the bike so it's kind of like training more versatile than just one thing and one thing only so running is a good alternative option it changes your hip and knee angle up it changes the way your body has to push the cardio output needed So I do think that running is a good alternative option if you wanna kind of challenge cardio in a different way. Swimming obviously is a great option for challenging cardio in a different way. Um, Doing any like high intensity interval training is awesome for spin, uh, just because during a bike ride, you're constantly moving. So your heart has to constantly keep pushing. So doing resistance training in more of a high intensity interval fashion, like HIIT training, that's another really good option to improving your overall output measures on the bike. Um, and just think about doing different lower body resistance activities. Throw in an upper body one if you need a break, but going from a lunge workout to a squat workout to, you know, a Nordic curl for your hamstrings and then cycle through each one of those, you know, 15 reps each one, the next, the next. 30 seconds off and then cycle it again, you know, three to four different rounds. That's going to keep your heart rate up, which you want to do, but it's going to give you resistance training. So it's going to change how your muscles are having to work, which that kind of alteration is always a good option to look at when it comes to improving your overall spin. Uh, The last aspect is recovery. And this is one that I think a lot of people lose sight of because they get gassed and they feel such a great... uh, Uh, overall feel after a ride I mean I think most people will you know agree that after I get done with a spin class I feel really good about myself you've got a lot of feel-good hormones pumping through the brain your body's uh, feeling good and loose from what you just did Um, and you feel somewhat physically accomplished a lot of times what we lack at that point is wanting to cool down ride which I really recommend always doing uh, or doing some foam rolling slash stretching I've had issues with my knee because I didn't stretch enough my quads after spinning. So doing a light stretch before spinning for your hips, your hamstrings, and your quads, definitely important. Calves you can do as well. Um, I've definitely cramped up in my calves occasionally doing spin rides. Um, So your calves, you definitely want to look at stretching as well. Uh, And just some foam rolling. Uh, If you've got a massage therapist you really like, getting a massage uh, maybe after you know, a, a very tough training week, maybe you're riding four or five times a week and one of those rides was an hour ride for a PR. You know, you're doing some tough stuff like that, I'd recommend looking at some body recovery, uh, like massage, um, stretching, myofascial release, you know, all that stuff is great. Uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of electro dry needling, that's fantastic for quad hamstring muscle recovery, uh, but definitely don't don't forget about recovery, that's needed and uh, just be careful if you're feeling a lot of soreness in your legs give yourself a day off over training can definitely lead to injuries and injuries lead to a lot less time on the bike so kind of do your best to maintain all of that so that's what we got that's how you're going to get from uh, spinning the way you are now to spinning uh, first place of your class look at your form look at your fit look at how your body is moving on the bike Look at the intensity, your interval training, what your outputs are at different splits of your ride. That's going to help you mentally stay focused to what you're doing and if you're on track to PR or not. Um, So yeah, get out there, spin, enjoy. And that's all we got for today. Take care and stay healthy, everyone.